Turn to your Bibles now, please, and we'll turn to Colossians. This morning, we've been coming to these New Testament letters written by Paul this weekend and picking out some of the the lesser-known figures that we see recorded for us in God's Word. And so now we're going to read, first of all, from Colossians chapter 1 page 1183, if you have a church Bible. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 to 14, where you'll notice, as well as many other things in this, these verses, we see this man Epaphras mentioned in verse 7, and then we'll also read in a moment from chapter 4, where he's mentioned once again. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, first of all, this is God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, Turn over to chapter 4, please. Verses 7 to 18. And here we read of some of these ordinary heroes that we've thought about this weekend. The very first name mentioned in verse 7 is Tychicus. And we read of others here who just get a, a small passing mention. And yet they're recorded in the Word of God for us. All these centuries later because their role and their work for him mattered. Colossians 4 verse 7 to the end of the chapter. 
Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Look, the beloved physician greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Keep your Bibles open there, please, if you can, at Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. This weekend, we've had your church weekend here in Dremore, and the theme for the weekend has been ordinary heroes, normal people whose lives have been transformed and used by Jesus, people who are not the big guns, Abraham or Moses or Paul or Peter. But they are still important enough to be recorded permanently in God's book. We've already looked this weekend at two men who are mentioned very briefly in the New Testament. We thought about Tychicus, the pastor's postman, significant for his faithfulness in small and fairly ordinary things. We've thought about Onesiphorus, a breath of fresh air, a man who we are told revived and refreshed Paul at a crucial moment in his life and work and ministry. Now, I should also say this morning that when I preached a bigger series on this in North Edinburgh, there were also women included. Uh, it just so happens that the three themes that I picked for this weekend are illustrated by men, but we, could, we see even in that list we just read, and we see all through the New Testament and the Old Testament, the men and women of God 
who, and, and often their names are maybe recorded once, and we can read those long lists of names sometimes in the Bible and wonder why we have that, and there are many reasons, but at least one of them is to show that these people matter, and they are known to and cared about by our God. Why did I pick this theme for this weekend? Do I think that you are a very ordinary bunch, Andrew Moore? Well, a little bit uh, no, but a little bit yes to answer that question. No, I can truthfully say it's not the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the Dromore congregation. And I've said already this weekend how God has used this church in my life uh, a long time ago and the, the fondness and affection that I have for you here in Dromore. But also, the answer is uh, slightly yes, you are an ordinary bunch. I say that today, I didn't say that at the start of the weekend. But you have an ordinary pastor, just as our congregation in North Edinburgh does. You don't have the big names, the, 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 the famous uh, conference speakers and so on that we might see in the Christian world. I don't think many of us, maybe any of us, will have best-selling Christian biographies written about us or movies made. There is so much that we can learn from Paul and David and the greats of Scripture, but probably we are more like Tychicus and Onesiphorus and Epaphras, who we come to this morning as our final ordinary hero of the conference weekend, Epaphras, who we'll see here in Colossians 4, verses 12 to 13. Epaphras was the founder of this church in Colossae. In this case, Paul hadn't planted the church. Paul had never preached there at the time of this letter. He hadn't yet taught these new Christians. It was this man, Epaphras, who had done all of that up to this point. And we read in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, how Paul, the writer of the, the letter, speaks about the good news, the gospel. And he says to the Colossian church, you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And even in the very beginning of the letter, there's, there's something else that stands out for us about Epaphras, something out of the ordinary. That first time Paul mentions him in Colossians there and chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. You might have noticed as we read chapter 1, it's not unusual for Paul in one of his letters after the opening greetings and who wrote the letter and who it's to, to launch into a, a, a section of praise and thanksgiving for the people he's writing to. It's very normal for Paul. Actually, his letter to the Galatians stands out because it doesn't have that. He has to go straight to an error, a dangerous error in their church. But this letter is the only letter of Paul to a church where someone is named in that opening section, that gush of praise and thankfulness at the start of the letter. And so straight away, we should be thinking, well, there's definitely something significant here about this man, Epaphras, something worth studying. And like the others in our series this weekend, we're not told a lot about him, but what we are told is worth noticing, and it speaks to each of us. Chapter 4, 
Verse 12, as we'll see this morning, talks about him struggling or wrestling. So our title this morning is Epaphras, God's Wrestler. And we'll notice three points this morning. First of all, his relationship with Jesus. His relationship with Jesus. We're thinking today about Epaphras, God's wrestler. Look at chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Some Bibles say he's always wrestling in prayer for you. And we'll see when we come to our second point this morning. That's a good word for it, wrestling. And I don't want to push the wrestling picture too far. But if you think of many modern day wrestlers, they have an identity as a wrestler. You might have heard of Dwayne Johnson. He's a wrestler and he's acted in different films, but he's He's better known, his wrestling name is The Rock. He has this persona, this character, this role that that the wrestlers take on. And they're all really actors. In countries like Mexico and South America, South and Central America, different places, the identity of the wrestler is so important that they'll wear a mask When they're wrestling, some of them take it so seriously that they wear, apparently they wear their mask all of the time, even outside of the ring. They'll go to great lengths to hide their true identity and to only show their wrestling identity. So what is the identity of this wrestler that we're coming to today? God's wrestler here in Colossians. Obviously, his name is Epaphras, but we want to go deeper than his name today. He is only mentioned three times in our Bibles. And each time, it's in the context of his relationship with Jesus. We saw this with Tychicus as well. Each time, it says something to us about the man's relationship with Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 12, in front of us today, Epaphras, a servant of Christ Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 7, you can flick back to it. Epaphras, a faithful minister of Christ. And also Philemon 1, 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. So he's a faithful minister of Christ. He's a servant of Christ. He's a fellow prisoner in Christ. Now again, those are things we could just skip over. That's the sort of way that Paul often talks. We, if we read through the New Testament, we can get used to Paul speaking like this. But think, stop, let's stop and pause for a moment and think about it. This man is only mentioned three times in our Bibles. And all three times, something is said about him in connection with Jesus. When Paul, the writer, thought of Epaphras, what stood out above everything else we'll notice about Epaphras today, above what might be obvious to anyone who knew him, what stood out above it all was his relationship with Jesus. 
And we've noticed this already this weekend, but I think it is worth repeating. That's true for all of us. What matters most, we're a different group of people. We have some similarities, but lots of differences. But what matters most about any of us is not our name or how we look or what we do. For us, maybe sometimes we can be a bit like those wrestlers and we try to have an identity that we put out there that that maybe isn't the real us. What matters for any of us is how we relate to Jesus. If you're a Christian this morning, what matters about you is not what has been done to you in the past. What matters is not what other people think of you. Who we are is what Jesus has done for us. And what matters is not what the rest of the world sees or thinks, but what does God see? And is our relationship right with God the Father through his son Jesus? If you're not a Christian today, young people, older people, any age, if you're not a Christian, what matters for you is not how you're dressed today or how you've spoken today to us or how you seem outwardly to us. It's not what you've done in your life or what you've been through in your life, whether good things or bad things. But is your relationship right with God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ? Are your sins forgiven because you've trusted that Jesus died on the cross for you, taking your punishment? You're trusting that when God looks at you, he sees the perfect goodness and holiness of his Son, Jesus, because you're believing in him and you're joined to him by faith. And when God looks at you or me, he sees him. That's what matters for any of us in this life and for the life to come. Whether you are famous, I'm not aware that any of us are today, but whether you're famous or you're a total unknown in the eyes of this world, what matters is what's our relationship with Jesus. And this actually is what keeps Epaphras going. Look at the verses, please. Chapter 4, verse 12 tells us that he's he's struggling or he's wrestling, he's battling constantly in prayer. Verse 13 mentions the hard work that he does for these churches. How is this ordinary man able to keep going in the struggle and in the hard work? Verse 12 says he's a servant of Christ Jesus. His motivation for this is not simply that he wants to do good things or help the Christians. His motivation is his commitment to serving Jesus Christ. The word that's used for him in verse 12 literally means that he is a slave. Epaphras in his work in the church and for the church at Colossae, is slaving for Jesus. He's laboring and toiling and struggling for Jesus. And I hope you see how that should be helpful for all of us. All Christians are involved in ministry. You may not be the minister. You may not stand up at the front and do this form of public teaching and preaching of God's word. You may not do 
the things that might typically be labeled as ministry, but the word ministry simply means serving. So being a parent is serving. Being a husband or wife is serving the Lord. Being a friend, a neighbor, a church member, it's all ministry of some kind. Our lives, any one of us, our lives are full of opportunities to serve Jesus by serving others. And in our serving, it's a freeing thing to remember that we are slaves of Jesus. Now, that, that, that doesn't sound right. It's a freeing thing to remember we're slaves. It seems a contradiction. But it is. It's a liberating, freeing thing to recognize that we are slaves of Jesus. It sets us free to serve like Jesus served. And suddenly, the recognition of others, the appreciation and thanks of others doesn't matter so much. We can say, like the servants in one of the stories Jesus told, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. And when we remember that it's Jesus we're serving, we can do it willingly, and gladly, and joyfully, and lovingly for him. Slavery doesn't sound great. Slavery sounds humiliating. But being a slave to Jesus is freedom and joy. And actually for us, like for Epaphras here, it's the only way that we can keep going. And keep serving day after day and week after week and month after month is to remember that in serving others, we are serving him. So that's our first point, his relationship to Jesus. Second, his wrestling in prayer. His wrestling in prayer. A crucial part of his serving his ministry is praying. This man, Epaphras, look at verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Some Bibles say, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. Other Bibles, he is always wrestling in prayer for you. And I think the word wrestling is a good word to be used here in verse 12. A good picture to have in our minds today in the language in which Paul wrote this letter. It was a sporting word that he used. It was used in his day for the public games that took place. It's that kind of contest. People competing for a prize. Wrestling. It was used in in, in Paul's day, like in our day, for, for simply a fight, any kind of fight, a physical fight or a non-physical fight, a fight with weapons, a fight without weapons, but combat, a fierce and close encounter with the opposition. And so that starts to bring in things we've already touched on and read about in our Bibles this weekend from Ephesians 6 and other parts of God's Word about the spiritual battle forces, spiritual forces of evil warring against us and the role of prayer in that. So wrestling is a good word and a good picture to have in our minds today as we come to these verses. It, it helps us to think of the idea of a, a sporting contest, like in the Olympics. Like if you've ever seen the wrestling there in the Olympics, not those 
showbiz pretend wrestlers that you might see on the TV if you ever waste your time watching it. But, but like these men, the Olympic wrestling, up close, grappling, straining, struggling, battling against each other. That's the picture here. Wrestling in prayer. Actually, our Bibles use a very similar word, a related word about Jesus. As he prayed in the garden on the night where he was just about to be betrayed and arrested the night before he died. Luke twenty-two forty-four says, being in agony. That's our English translation of it. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. But that word there in Luke 22, and this word here in Colossians 4 about Epaphras, and even the word I just used in our English today, agony, they're, they're all the same word or the same family of words. Epaphras is literally agonizing in prayer for the Christians in his church. He doesn't just say, God bless this person and that person. We are getting a picture here of a man who systematically, consistently, specifically, earnestly pleads with God the Father wrestles in prayer on their behalf. And so I wonder today, could you be a wrestler? A wrestler like Epaphras, laboring, struggling, straining, striving in prayer for your fellow Christians here. What a ministry you could have in your church by doing this. And I'm sure some already are. Possibly no one else would ever know. Though I think they'd get some sense of it by if they heard you pray publicly or they see how you relate to people. But others might never really know. But what a way to serve your church. You might never be a minister or an elder or a deacon. But what about this? What a blessing it would be if some in this church, many in this church, it could be said of them, slot in a different name there, somebody else greets you, always struggling on your behalf in their prayers. And look, look what he prays, verse 12, praying, struggling that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. I read a quote this week by a Christian writer who talked about intercession, this praying, particularly you know, praying for others, pleading, representing them, interceding. This writer said intercession, called intercession the hardest work in the world. The giving of oneself, time, strength, energy, and attention to the needs of others in a way that no one but God sees. No one but God will do anything about. And no one but God will ever reward you for. That's what this man was known for. Let's be challenged by that. Epaphras wrestling in prayer. This is fighting talk. 
a good kind of fighting. We want a church that's fighting. Now, the elders are wondering if we really want that, but we want the church to be full of those who fight like this. Waging spiritual warfare with the powerful weapons that God has given to us. Notice as well some more important words here in verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you? When you read that and you stop and think, it seems a funny thing to say. When you're writing to the church at Colossae, well, surely they would know this man and know that he's one of them. Why does Paul say this? Well, it must be surely that this is something that comes to his mind when he thinks of Epaphras. And in this verse that's speaking of this prayer warrior, is this a man who prayed for his fellow church members in such a way that it was clear to everyone that he was one with them and that that they were one with him? Epaphras, who is one of you. That when you heard him pray, not because of his accent, not because of the little I don't know, colloquialisms of the way that he spoke, but because of how he poured out his heart in prayer and intensity at going to war on behalf of those that he loved, a determination to defend those who might be spiritually attacked. You could hear that in his prayers. It's a beautiful phrase. Epaphras, who is one of you, This man prays so passionately for his fellow church members that everyone listening knows the heart he has for them, the care he has for them. It's almost as if he's in a sweat. (laughs) By the end of the prayer, he's wrestling, agonizing in prayer for his brothers and sisters in the church. Wrestling in prayer And finally, this morning, his vision for the church. His vision for the church. Look what else is mentioned here about Epaphras. Verse 13 now. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. That's the church in the place called Colossae that was receiving this letter. And for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. So not only is he a hard worker, and what a, what a blessing, what an asset that is to any church, to have someone who works hard and prays harder, but he's also focused on more than just his own wee patch. Laodicea and Hierapolis are mentioned here. They are nearby cities. Well, sort of. I say nearby. They were both half a day's journey for Epaphras. And it's clear that this faithful minister, this servant of Christ Jesus, is working hard in all three. Sharing his time and teaching and support and prayer among all of them. I wonder, is it a bit like interim elders in the RP church? Men who are responsible in their own place, but also somewhere else. You have John Somerville as, one, as an interim elder Here in Dromore, he's a member of Lisburn, and he's an elder in Lisburn, but he has responsibilities in Dromore as well, and there are other men like that 
Uh, we have that in, in North Edinburgh as well. Although for Epaphras here, it might be more likely if it's a half a day's journey away that it's someone who's an elder in Dromore, and then also in Galway, and also in our new work in Limerick. But Epaphras is focused on more than just his own patch. He's passionate and prayerful, and he pleads for his own uh, brothers and sisters in the church. But he has a bigger vision for the wider church. And I know that you already do this in Dromore. That you pray for Nantes, and you pray for Seville, and you pray for Galway, and you pray for us in North Edinburgh. Thank you for that. But if I can today, let me say to you, keep it up. Persevere. Press on. We thought yesterday about Tychicus. Faithful, solid, reliable, dependable Tychicus. How God's word calls each of us to be that type of person in our churches. But there is a slight danger there. That if we're doing that right, if we're throwing ourselves fully into the local congregation that we're a part of, as we should, that maybe we're very busy and we're very involved and we're very aware of the needs in our own place and maybe we become focused, we become focused only on the work in, in our immediate place. And we lose this sense that Epaphras has of the wider church that's out there. And we can become like a horse with blinkers. A horse wears blinkers to keep the horse focused. Especially if there's a course to run. So that the horse doesn't see what's all around it and get distracted and even get startled. Now you can see there's a time and a place for a horse to, to, to be like that. But that's not really a healthy thing if we do that. Even with something good like our church or our families, or the work we're doing for Jesus. It's good to be really focused, really all into it, but not so much that we forget the bigger picture. Everything else that's going on out there. So keep your vision for the wider church. Yes, give all you've got. Be all here and more. And be a Tychicus and be an Onesiphorus and be an Epaphras here. But don't lose a vision for the wider church and the wider kingdom and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep that bigger picture of our own denomination and also the worldwide church of Jesus. Today's a good day to talk about this. Every RP church and every RP denomination across the world is having a day of prayer today for the same theme as we've been praying, the same subject for the young people of our churches. But we don't want that just to be a, a once a year thing where we have that wider vision for the rest of the church. This is why we've just had a lot of those announcements that we had telling us about other events, ministering for the Master Conference and a Presbytery Weekend and other events that you have in the wider Presbytery here in the Eastern Presbytery and the wider denomination of the Reformed Presbyterian Church. It's why we promote camps. It's 
why we, there'll be a big emphasis on the, the summer conference, family conference at the Share Center, God willing, next year. I don't think the Drumore congregation needs me to come and say anything to you about church magazines. I suspect you may be here from the editor about that, but it's why we have church magazines and news about other places, funny-sounding names. It's why we have the prayer letters that come out electronically and the paper copies and so on. You, you could think, well, why bother? We've got, our, we've got our church here, love our church family. This is great. I've seen the love you have as a church family this weekend. You're blessed with a great local congregation and local work here. Why? What's the rest of that all matter? We're to have a vision for the bigger kingdom. We need to balance the two together. Your, your involvement, your commitment, especially your prayer here is, is your absolute priority. But we have to do that and balance that with never forgetting the wider work going, in, going on in the name of King Jesus. And I've emphasized Reformed Presbyterian work in that, but there, there's Bible translation, there's the persecuted church, there's so much that's bigger than just us. The work that God has put each of you in here in Dremore takes all you've got. It takes 100%, but never forget that there's much more going on than just your small corner here. Epaphras has a vision for the wider church. And so I want to send you away today to be fighters. Uh, or better, maybe to say, be wrestlers. Now, I'm going to get in trouble with that with some of the parents at the church lunch when some of the over-exuberant boys or girls are wrestling with each other. But not that kind of wrestling. Let's be like Epaphras here, God's wrestler who wrestled in prayer for his brothers and sisters. A man whose vision and heart for the church of the Lord Jesus extended far beyond his own local work and yet without in any way diluting or watering down his passion and his heart and his involvement on your behalf in his prayers. Amen.